0: Hi, this is Elizabeth from Ohio. Dust It is a Storywonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks!
1: and welcome to the show i'm alistair stevens
0: i'm lonnie diane rich and this is dusted your and that's what it's all about buffy the vampire slayer podcast but
1: what if that is what it's all about
0: oh my god what
1: if it's always just being about the hokey pokey (laughs) slash cokey depending which side of the atlantic you grew up
0: on wait slash what
1: cokey the hokey cokey it's called the hokey cokey if it you're is, in Britain,
0: it is not called the hokey cokey.
1: No, it's called the hokey pokey because you're an American, <laughs>
0: and I've never I don't even know. Heard
1: about that weird, obscure <laughs> transatlanticisms? That's what you come to dusted for, and peripherally some discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're discussing episode eighteen of season five of Buffy. Intervention.
0: This episode aired on April 24th, 2001, and is written by Jane Espenson. We last saw Jane's work in episode 15 of season 5, I Was Made to Love You, and her highest ranking episode on the big list is Checkpoint, which was co written with Doug Petrie and holds on at number three. If it seems like we've seen a lot of Jane this season, it's because we have. (laughs) Yes, it does. This is the final of five scripts. Total that she writes for just this season, just season five.
1: And this is episode 18. Yes. Five out of 18. So she scripts. has
0: written roughly She's one in three scripts so a machine. far. I know.
1: <laughs> and it's interesting, of course, looking at this episode, that we see one of Jane Espenson's trademarks. No, not the humor, though that's here in abundance. Mm-hmm. We see her ability and her desire to reference her own prior yes. episodes of Buffy. No one writes with the same internal continuity yes. as Jane Espenson mm-hmm. does. It's one of her great strengths. It's one of the things that I adore about her Buffy scripts. This, I think it's fair to say, certainly there's an asterisk next to Checkpoint because mm-hmm. that was co-written with Doug Petrie. Yes, This, I think, is... The best of Jane Espenson's solo Buffy scripts to date. I think so,
0: too. I love this one.
1: I think it's the most successful synthesis of the things that we love about Jane. Yes. And the things that we love about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Those two things have often warred Mm -hmm. in the past. But here I think they're finding a greater harmony than they have before, even if that harmony remains a little incomplete. This episode was directed by Michael Gershman. Gershman directs at least one episode of every season of Buffy Save the First. We last saw him direct in Blood Ties, episode 513, so not that long ago. Mm-hmm. This is not a completely successful directorial effort, I think. There's a lot to consider when mm-hmm. you're directing an episode like this. Obviously, there are a lot of complicating factors But I'm not sure it's as consistent visually as we might like. We cross the line of action a lot. We're getting unusual perspectives on very familiar spaces, but we're getting unusual lighting. Mm -hmm. We're getting unusual setups. We're getting some odd choreography. And we're getting, not really from our main cast, but from some of our supporting cast, we're getting some slightly unfamiliar performances. Yeah, I'm Willow, not sure. Yeah. Again. And no, and Tara's really, a little weird. Yeah, Tara's Anya very we get weird.
0: we get well we have five different versions of Anya and today is robot Anya which is never our favorite, but we don't see a whole lot of her in it.
1: Is yeah. at least internally consistent though. Mm-hmm. Xander also just not really feeling yeah quite like a fully realized Xander. Those concerns somewhat relegated to the shade though because we're dealing with some truly outstanding Core performance.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, the, the central core Buffy, of this is Exodus. Giles, mm-hmm. even
1: Glory, I yeah. think,
0: works terrifically
1: well mm-hmm. in this episode. Let's get into the beat by beat. We'll have a lot to discuss as we move through it, I'm sure. Previously on Buffy, Glory wants the key, which turns out to be Dawn. Ben is not the brightest bulb in the box. Spike fell in love with Buffy and was rejected. Warren made himself a robo girlfriend. And Joyce died, which, you know, thanks, TV show, because we'd almost forgotten. <laughs> We open the episode as Giles is helping with the dishes as Buffy and Dawn try to adjust to life without their mother. Giles thinks that a routine is good and suggests that Buffy resume her training. Buffy's having doubts about her role as Slayer. She's changing, becoming harder, and she's certainly misremembering her relationship with Riley, if that's any indication (laughs) that something is wrong. Once again, for the record, breaking up with Riley, not her fault. Yeah, Giles suggests a quest, a journey to a sacred place that might give her some answers, though it will mean leaving Dawn without the protection of the Slayer for a couple of days. Buffy tells Dawn that she loves her, which sets us up for a classic ironic cutaway to Spike, who is taking receipt of the Buffybot from a terrified Warren. The Buffybot springs to life and immediately gets kissy, which is everything that Spike needs, and we cut mercifully to the credits. (laughs) The opening scene with Buffy and Giles. Yeah is one of my favorite scenes in a good long while. Oh,
0: I love that. I love that when she says, Giles, I love you. And it's so sweet. He already knows this. They've established this father-daughter relationship. It's all fine. Nobody's weird or insecure about it. But I love those moments when they can just be loving to each mm-hmm. other. It's just incredibly sweet. And then when Dawn comes in, this is my favorite Dawn that yeah. we've seen, with, with one exception later in the episode that we'll talk about when we get there. Um, but I really like Dawn. I like the way that she you know, encourages Buffy to go on. She'll be fine everything's good she's not being overly insecure she's not being bratty she's just being loving to her sister it's a really really nice opening
1: i just adore it Mm -hmm. we're still feeling the weight of the loss of joyce but it's not a new pain Mm -hmm. it's a pain that we're learning to live with and now we're beginning to acknowledge that change isn't just necessary but inevitable Mm -hmm. we have the opportunity to mold to a degree what happens to buffy next and i love love her self awareness, with the yeah. exception of the Riley stuff. Yes, exactly. I adore.
0: Which where her did self-awareness. that come from? Yeah. Well, it's
1: almost this retcon that's been put in place that we've we've changed how we are encouraged to remember Riley and right. their relationship, mm-hmm. and certainly, it may be that there's a breaking point somewhere very close to the start of the fifth season mm-hmm. where the shows sense of buffy's relationship with riley deviated from reality sure. and established established a new reality hey maybe it's when Dawn showed up
0: we rewrote that narrative sure.
1: <laughs> the monks just really wanted to mess with buffy so I they guess. also changed how awful <laughs> riley became and made all of that her fault right. we can't say for sure but sure. we can certainly speculate it's a really really strong opening it does give us of course one of our regular Buffy cutaways. Yes. We get that ironic <laughs> Weird subversion love of expectation. Weird
0: better than no love at all. And then we go straight to Spike.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a slightly contrived line in the first place. It mm-hmm. doesn't quite feel like something Buffy would say, but it sets us up for the cutaway. We're not going to have an opportunity to talk about him later in the episode. So yeah. by all means, what do you think of Warren?
0: Gosh, you know... During this moment when he's talking to Spike about all the programming he did and he's he's getting weirded out and freaked out and he needs to leave because he knows he just made a Buffy bot and is going to get his ass thoroughly kicked if he stays in Sunnydale. He's in the <laughs> middle of this moment and he has this creepy little laugh about the sexual programming that he put into the Buffy bot. Yeah. Um, and as that happened, I thought, God, Warren is just the creepiest little weaselly like jerk yes.
1: language fails you because language he is fails me so completely he's the worst. so because i'm trying
0: yeah. not to swear because i know people listen to this with their kids um <laughs> but also like at that moment i thought adam bush in the role of warren is perfect oh yeah he's so good at getting that that creepy greasiness across i just love it
1: no he's Fantastic. Mm -hmm. It is weird that he just disappears from the episode at that point. Yes. (laughs) It feels strange that we don't circle back around to him in a way. Well,
0: that he doesn't have consequence. But then again, he's running away from the consequence. So fair enough. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure how far you would have to run. (laughs) to get away from Buffy after creating a robot version of her quite far I'd imagine he does feel ultimately though like one of the loose ends Mm -hmm. that don't get quite wrapped up at the end of the episode Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that when we get to it because after the credits Glory is feeling the pressure of sharing a corporeal form with bright bulb Ben they're on the clock and the only clue they have is that the key is a human connected with the Slayer Glory dispatches her minions to find out more. Buffy and Giles, meanwhile, take the Gilesmobile to the desert. That is not the kind of car that you want to take on a cross country trip through the <laughs> desert. It is really lucky that this sacred place, this ancient place of wisdom and vision questing is, you know, twenty miles outside of Sunnydale though. <laughs>
0: It is very convenient. Really convenient Conveniently for Conveniently located to the Hellmouth. One yeah. would
1: imagine wildly inconvenient for every other Slayer in history. How many <laughs> of them actually true. made the commute well, out to Sunnydale?
0: But this is also like a vision quest. It is very possible that there are a number of these like holy places around the world. It's and like that a franchise go, operation. Well, sure. It's like a <laughs> Starbucks. There's one in every corner.
1: Yeah, but you really make your money on the Vision <laughs> Quest t-shirts.
0: That's very true.
1: Giles has to give up his formal guardianship of Buffy so that that she can be led to the sacred place. Buffy makes fun, but novelty dances are one of the few perks of being an ancient shaman. <laughs> it's cute. It's classic, Jane.
0: I, I There love is no that. need for this. There's
1: no need for the metaphysical conceit that, mm-hmm. that Giles has to give up whatever formalized guardianship he has over yeah? Buffy. Also, newsflash, Giles has some kind of formalized guardianship <laughs> of Buffy. <laughs> There's some kind of sacred bond between the two of them. I
0: like the ritual. I like that he has to hop inside and hop outside the circle and then like shake the little gourd. It's really, really cute. But I especially love that moment where Buffy just deadpans and that's what it's all about. And it's (laughs) It's just perfect. It's so cute. And the thing is, I think this is where we see this synthesis. Jane often goes for the really funny Mm punchline at the cost of whatever the emotional moment is. But this is a really funny punchline that is also a great character beat. I really love it.
1: Yeah, it is the kind of thing in the past that I've been critical of yeah. when it comes to Jane's writing, but in this episode, I think it works really beautifully. It's unnecessary, but it's genuinely funny, and it does give us a new perspective on what really matters here, which is not the ritual, but the relationship.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I love that mm-hmm. stuff.
1: Spike, meanwhile, is putting the Buffy bot through its paces. Luckily, it's been programmed with a modified form of Asimov's Three Laws, and the sexual tension is <laughs> just really uncomfortable and bad. <laughs> We have to talk about the Mm Buffybot. We have to talk about the creation of this sex toy. Yeah. We have to talk about Spike as a genuinely vile person.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: This is really troubling stuff, right? The creation of the Buffybot, the simulacrum of Buffy, it's different, I think, Mm -hmm. when Warren creates Amy. He creates, if you like, an original person, even if Amy is supposed to be a synthesis of characteristics that he likes and right. admires and desires in other women he's not copying someone mm-hmm. so i guess metaphysically my question is to what degree is spike committing a sin against buffy by boinking the buffy bot
0: <laughs> um it's a very complicated thing the fact that they you know they made one that looks just like buffy that has buffy's exact likeness is an offense you know that said i feel like Warren is human. Warren has a soul. Warren is worse. Um, Spike is bad. And I'm not going to say that Spike isn't bad. I mean, this is absolutely a bad thing. But Spike is a vampire. Spike doesn't have a soul. Spike doesn't understand how this is bad and wrong and if he does understand it to the extent that he does understand it i don't think he cares because it's what he wants
1: without relying on the explanation spike doesn't have a soul which Mm -hmm. as we've discussed over the course of the last few months is an increasingly problematic justification for spike's behavior does he understand how wrong this is
0: (laughs) yeah I think so. Okay, I think so. I think he just doesn't care because these he's been tossed out of the Scooby Gang. He can't have any contact with Buffy. This is the only way that he can be with her. And I think that in a very immature way, he believes that this will solve his problem. That he will be able to be with this Buffy Bot, and that all he wants from Buffy is to possess her. I don't. I think that he. I think that he knows he's in love with her. I think he doesn't understand what love is and i think that we see him sort of wake up to that a little bit in the process of this episode but i think that he sees his love as being satisfied by possession well
1: it's interesting that you say that we he wakes up to that in the course of this episode how so
0: i think a little bit well i think what what we see later is is spike's first you know, heroic act. And I think he does that out of love without realizing and fully understanding exactly how that works. Sure,
1: but there's no sense at the end of the episode where had Buffy been the Buffybot, he would have somehow given up possession of oh, the Buffybot.
0: Oh, no, no, no. And he even asks, and my robot. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he's still Spike. But yeah. yeah, I think that there is, I think that there's more to Spike than even Spike understands
1: this to me is really problematic i do think that there is more to spike i do think that he has untapped and unrealized depth mm-hmm. but all the same this is not just functionally repugnant it's okay. not just repugnant gross and obscene mm-hmm. in all the gross obvious ways and
0: obscene yes
1: this is something far worse than that because what he's doing isn't just co-opting buffy's appearance mm-hmm He's co-opting Buffy's identity, mm-hmm. and it feels uncomfortably close to some kind of rape by proxy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's specifically perverting who Buffy is. I- I'm made really uncomfortable by the Buffy bot in this I think episode. he should
0: be uncomfortable. By the Buffy bot, I think if you're not uncomfortable right. about the Buffy bot, that but if you know.
1: you're coming at it from a yes, it's uncomfortable, but oh, that Spike.
0: Well, no, and I'm uncomfortable, in that. I, no,
1: this actually comes very close to to breaking my my sympathy for Spike. I'm not sure that my empathy for Spike mm-hmm. increases in this episode in aggregate. Yeah, because yes, he does something that from certain perspectives could be construed as valiant, mm-hmm. but at the same time, what he's doing with the Buffy bot is. It feels like it's across a line, but it's very difficult to, to pin down exactly where it's, in its badness lies.
0: Right. I think it's really important that we have the Buffy bot because what he does is I don't think from some perspective, I think it is absolutely a heroic act, an act that he does not to be heroic, but because he cannot be otherwise, because that is Spike. He is Spike because he cannot be something else. This is what he is. And he is, at the same time that he's being heroic in this episode, he is also slimy and gross and obscene in other ways. And I think it's really important, especially for people like me, who love Spike and desperately, desperately want him to become something better than he is, you know? It is really important for me personally in this episode to have something so incredibly gross and obscene so that I don't forget what Spike is at any moment. I cannot be in this episode and be completely like charmed and swayed by, oh my God, look how much he loves Buffy. I love that he loves Buffy that much, so much so that he would do something heroic, not in trying to get her or trying to win her back or anything, but just simply because he cannot stand to see her in pain. Um, I love that expression of love. But at the same time, we have this incredibly sick and twisted Mm -hmm. uh, thing that he does, which I believe he knows and understands to be wrong, but doesn't care about how it's wrong or the ways in which it is wrong because it is giving him something that he feels he needs. Um, So it's incredibly selfish. It's incredibly wrong. It is gross and obscene. At the same time, in the same person, we have somebody who can express love in this, this kind of pure way this way that is essentially oh, unselfish
1: purity is an interesting question since well Glory gives us a strong perspective exactly, on that he purity is and impurity yeah no, no he's he is. a
0: big he's a big honking mass and i'll be Even, the first one to say so i love the complexity that this episode gives us into into everything that is Spike.
1: no there's certainly complexity mm-hmm. i'm just not sure I'm not sure how happy I am with the resolution of the episode, honestly, but I guess we'll talk more about that when When we we get get there, there. because there are contextual considerations. As Giles performs the ritual out in the desert, Buffy follows a mountain lion, finally rediscovering a familiar-looking patch of scrubland. Tara has warded Xander's new apartment to keep Dawn safe, though not safe from temptation, as Dawn steals a pair of earrings, and we see Jinx linger outside. Spike gives the Buffybot an unwisely broad instruction to just be Buffy. It's like he's never seen a science fiction series. <laughs> and we cut away to Willow, who is being stalked by one of Glory's minions too. And then, as Spike sleeps, the Buffybot goes on patrol. We get another glimpse of the desert and then return to the graveyard where the Buffybot runs into Anya and Xander. Mm-hmm. It all feels a little breathless
0: it is it's it's really frenetic
1: we're cutting rapidly and we're putting our attention in weird places mm-hmm. when your episode feels this crowded particularly I think in its first half it settles down yeah. once we arrive at a stronger through line mm-hmm. but the first half feels crowded and I like Willow mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily need Willow's funny jokes to her classmate who is borrowing her notes yeah. It doesn't feel like it necessarily earns its place, particularly mm-hmm. when we're cutting away from the A story, the B story, the C story, to this, the D story, mm-hmm. and then back again. Yeah. It all just feels a little Well, I think all crowded. of
0: this is to show that the minions are spying and trying to find the person that Buffy is protecting um, so that they can figure out who the key is.
1: Yeah, but that ultimately isn't going to be necessary. It's not essential that that happens. Right. Because what we track is Spike. Mm-hmm. And it would be okay if we just had the minions showing up at Spike's crypt later. We saw Glory dispatch them. We don't necessarily need to have a shot of...
0: All you need is the fight where the Buffy bot protects Spike. Yeah. And that's all you need the minions there for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They mm-hmm. need to
1: be present for that. Mm-hmm. That's the pertinent piece of information. And then when they show up at the crypt because later... Because
0: we will presume they've been watching everyone. Exactly, you know? right. Mm-hmm.
1: Particularly with a line of dialogue. So from there, we cut to the Buffy bot with Anya and Xander. Her programming isn't sophisticated, but it is at least sophisticated enough... To impress Anya, Spike arrives and tries to cover for the Buffybot, and then they're attacked by the world's most convenient group of vampires. They get to the slaying, watched by Glory's minions, and then part ways. The Buffybot has apparently been programmed according to the faith school of post-slaying sexy times, and when Xander realizes that something just isn't right with the Slayer, he and Anya backtrack just far enough to see, well, technically... Just far enough to see Spike engaged in some very high-tech and self-indulgent masturbation.
0: Yeah, I guess you could call it that, definitely. Okay, now here's a question for you. Um, Okay, two weeks ago in their timeline, maybe three weeks ago in their timeline, uh, we had a robot come to town, and uh, she looked like a normal girl, and she talked, you know, kind of like a normal girl. She had super strength, but... Everybody instantly, immediately knew she was a robot. That was the whole thing, was that everybody knows she's a robot. The point is how obvious it is is that April was
1: a robot. Exactly. And April was arguably more naturalistic than Buffy, Mm -hmm. than the Buffy bot, I should say. Sure. And of course, our heroes didn't know April and know Buffy really rather well indeed. Right. Yeah, I don't like... That
0: and we've had body possessions so before. We had, you know, Giles was a feral demon. And of course, Buffy looked right into his eyes and knew mm-hmm. immediately uh, Buffy was taken over by Faith. Nobody knew. And that was a bit of a problem. So I think that there would be a little bit of sensitivity that if Buffy is acting really weird, they would start asking questions about whether that's really actually Buffy. But it seems like yeah. nobody has that.
1: Particularly when Buffy's supposed to be out of town. The yeah. justification for this contrivance mm-hmm. does bother me. Yeah. Yes. We just about get away with it in this episode because mm-hmm. this is a lighter, more farcical episode yeah. of Buffy. Mm-hmm. But it does, yeah, it applies a little bit of tonal pressure.
0: I think you have to you're, you're essentially paying for the the joke and for yeah. the concept and with a little bit of your you know credulity at this point time. You, you know For me,
1: the joke isn't worth it. Mm -hmm. I don't need the The joke. The
0: story part is worth it. Yeah, I
1: feel that there's, but there's a version of the story where they immediately realize what has happened. Yeah. Or at least pursue it more seriously. They may Mm -hmm. not realize that Buffy is a robot right off the bat, but they realize that something is wrong with Mm -hmm. her. And we don't do this. And they
0: ask the question. Repeated
1: vaudevillian crosstalk all the way through the episode. Right,
0: right. Well, because the the name of the episode is Intervention. Mm -hmm. That they all feel like they need to intervene with Buffy because she's sleeping with Spike. As a core
1: concept. That's the weakest part of this episode. It is the weakest part of the story. And I don't like Mm -hmm. the title. Mm -hmm. I don't think the title serves the episode at all well. That, I think, is an element that you could lose outright.
0: Yeah.
1: That, Mm -hmm. as I said, that vaudevillian crosstalk just isn't that good. Mm -hmm. And it does does challenge our understanding. It doesn't outright break our understanding Mm -hmm. of the world, I think. And there are some moments when it all comes into alignment and it works really quite well. I think... I'm not sure that you really want to lampshade the fact that Anya, when written by Jane Espenson in particular, is frequently robotic. Yeah,
0: yeah. mm -hmm. But how's your
1: money? Fine, thank you for asking. Yes. Is at least a funny, punchy Mm -hmm, joke.
0: mm
1: -hmm. I'm not sure about the rest of it. And still, always. I can't Mm -hmm. believe I've made it 15 minutes into this episode without having to say, I really don't like the robots in Buffy.
0: Yeah. mm -hmm. I don't
1: like the way that they're... Presented, they don't fit our understanding of the world. They just don't. Mm -hmm. Had she been, again, a magical golem, had she been some kind of summoned creature, had she just been a a spirit bound into the form of Buffy, Mm -hmm. then we'd have something to work with. Right. But the robot aspect is remains problematic for me that is just a hurdle that I can't I can't get past
0: I would say that it it works better for me than most of the sci-fi elements in Buffy have so far and because I like the narrative places that we go with the Buffy bot um in this episode as starting with this episode and moving forward through you know for the rest of the time that we're going to see the Buffy bot hanging around um I actually really do like that enough that I'm willing to to pay for part of the world building for me with it you know I think that's absolutely
1: fair and I think that's true of this episode. In general, what separates this episode from some of Jane's less successful Buffy mm-hmm, work mm-hmm. is that this script turns out to be more than the sum of its parts. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think it is unified around that central core mm-hmm. in a way that Jane's scripts oftentimes aren't or yes, aren't sometimes, completely.
0: Sometimes it it becomes more about being funny than it does about telling the story. And I feel like we've we've... Jump that hurdle in this one. I feel like we really are yes. telling the story we need to tell. Though,
1: even in this moment, I'm just increasingly aware of the episode's fragmented nature Mm -hmm, yeah the weird contrivance of having Anya and Xander walk away have the conversation then realize that something's wrong Mm -hmm. and go back so that they can catch Spike and the Buffy bot right and And Frank's not even trying
0: like I mean he chases after her you know Um, but he's not even trying to you know basically hire like bring her back to the crypt first or whatever I mean granted you know he seems like the kind of guy who would enjoy getting caught out in the middle of the graveyard and that kind of thing but he has to know that there are going to be serious consequences that this Buffy bot thing does. is not going to last. That's why yeah. he's
1: covering for the Buffy bot in yeah. the first instance. Mm-hmm. But you're right. By the time we hit the end of that scene yeah. and he is, I don't know, maybe 30 yards away from Xander and I. Exactly. He just can't resist any longer. Yeah. I'm just not sure that it that it works mm-hmm. well enough to justify yeah. the core concept. Yeah. But if this is what we're going to get, at least ultimately by the time we reach the, the episode's final mm-hmm. movements... We, we manage to drag all of this stuff together and make yeah. it make it work. We get mm-hmm. some semblance of it's
0: worth it closure yeah. and yeah. weight mm-hmm. from
1: everything that we see in this episode. Back home, Xander and Anya share the disquieting news with Tara and Willow. Justifiably concerned about the Slayer's mental breakdown, Xander goes to talk with her. We get a flash of the real Buffy out in the desert and then cut to Xander's arrival at Spike's crypt. He says that Buffy has a lot of friends and pretty much all of them are willing and able to stake Spike at a moment's notice. But their conversation is interrupted by Glory's minions, who knock Xander out and bind Spike, carrying him away. I can basically watch an infinite amount of Xander and Spike doing the thing that they do. Yes, <laughs> it's really good. Mm-hmm. As soon as we get the Buffybot out of the picture, yeah, I think the episode has a little more focus, has a little more shape. Mm-hmm. It works really well, and we get a sense that. These minions are perhaps more capable than we've thought in the past. I yeah, mean,
0: they're tougher fighters.
1: Ben was able to stab Jinx and threaten his life just outright. Yeah. But apparently it only takes two of them to take Spike down.
0: Yeah, Spike others... has been <laughs> known to take down a number of vampires all at once. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All told, though, it works well enough.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like
1: the tension between Xander mm-hmm. and Spike, though. That's that's what yeah, really that's makes this real work good, for me. Yeah. In the desert, Buffy talks with what may or may not be the first Slayer. Buffy is full of love, which leads to pain, which leads to strength, which leads to the dark side of the Force, <laughs> or at least to Buffy's gift. We'll find out what that gift is after we cut away to the Buffy bot who talks with Willow, looking for help in tracking down Spike. Willow does a little amateur psychoanalysis, but she's no match for the Buffy bot's very specific programming. Xander returns with news of the attack on Spike, and they resolve, for very different reasons, to go and rescue him. And back in the desert, Buffy is told that her gift is death. Mm -hmm. I like the vision quest stuff in the episode it does feel like maybe we cut back to Buffy one or two too many times
0: oh right Mm -hmm.
1: but I like it very much I like how ethereal Mm -hmm. it feels and yet completely prosaic because all it is is Buffy sitting there in her coat yes opposite a campfire (laughs) and yet it does have something disquieting about it it does have something otherworldly about it. No,
0: it does. Well, this is the place, of course, that she dreamt of in Restless, mm-hmm. where she was talking with the first Slayer. And we kind of went through that whole understanding of, of you know, her power and, and how far back it reaches and all of that kind of stuff. So it was it was kind of cool. It felt dreamlike. It felt like restless mm-hmm. in this way, you know. Um, but I like this moment where she says, death is my gift, yeah. you know. Um, and it's it's tough to kind of understand how how does she mean that? You know, mm-hmm. she's like, if I have to kill demons, that's fine. But that is not a gift. What
1: do we think know? of Buffy's emotional arc in this episode? Because we will ultimately kind of abandon it so yeah. that we can deal with the, the issues mm-hmm. at hand. How do we feel about her needing this vision quest in the first place? Does that sit well with you in the wake of everything we've gone through?
0: Well, we're coming right off of the end of Forever Mm -hmm. where Dawn felt pushed away. She felt like Buffy didn't care and Buffy cared so much that she couldn't express it. And they have this really wonderful, you know, touching moment as sisters at the end of that episode. So coming off of that and feeling like, you know, she made Dawn feel shut out. She makes, you know, I can absolutely see the emotional through line from the end of Forever to the beginning of this episode. And I actually quite like it. I like that Giles has something that he can give her something mm-hmm. that he can help her connect this we had this whole you know Giles dealing with his identity uh, through the end of season three right through to the beginning of, of season five where he takes over the magic box um, where we get him back as her watcher officially and get him reinstated sure. and so now his identity is there again but he's able to to give her things and to teach her things which up until now he kind of hasn't been able to do that as much so I think that it's it's really it's a nice kind of elevation of the work that he's doing with Buffy, that it's not just about physically training and learning how to stake vampires and kill demons, but it's also about understanding the nature of her power and understanding herself better, that he's helping her on this sort of psychological space as well.
1: I guess my problem with this emotional arc for Buffy, to the extent that I have a problem Mm -hmm. with this emotional arc for Buffy, is that it feels overlaid and somewhat confused by The earlier emotional arc that we did with Buffy back in the beginning of the season where she's embracing the power of being the Slayer. Mm -hmm. She's hunting actively. She's losing herself or at least is threatening to be lost in in the hunt and in the fight and in the kill. Mm -hmm. That was a really strong and present and urgent emotional arc for Buffy in the beginning of the season. And now we're kind of... We're inverting that almost. Mm -hmm. She's concerned that being the Slayer is making her harder, that we're not seeing an excess of emotion, you Mm -hmm. know, faith style. It's it's really hard to watch this Mm -hmm. episode, actually, and not think about faith as a counterpoint Mm -hmm. for Buffy. She's concerned now that rather than being consumed by the fire of the Slayer's life, Mm -hmm. she's actually being cooled by it. She's being hardened by it. And I like both of those perspectives. I like both of those interpretations. I'm not sure that the two work for me as well together as they do apart. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that?
0: Um, I think that in this episode, we're having Buffy interpret her experience in one way, but then she is told it is actually that she loves so completely, that she is full of love, that she has this ability to be connected to her friends and to her family and to the people that she loves um, despite the fact that she is the Slayer, that it's not taking that away from her it's actually intensifying it. So for me it feels like we have Buffy sort of embracing this narrative, which she got from Riley, about how she's so hard and she's so removed and she's so distant, but in reality she is completely connected you know and I actually kind of like the inversion of that
1: and I guess that's an element that we've seen before all the way back in the prom Mm -hmm. we alight on the idea that Buffy so full of love is she that she is reaching out and protecting and and guarding and improving the lives of the people around her Mm -hmm. I guess it's just that beat back at the beginning of the season it's that short-lived arc at the beginning of the season where she was maybe a little too in love with being the Slayer Mm -hmm. but we didn't really develop that as fully as we could have done, and now we've replaced it. Yeah. Does it feel as though we've just changed our mind about the story that we're telling or that we're,
0: I feel more like it's evolved. I feel like her, she, after sneaking out of bed, going out to hunt, feeling her entire, you know, slayer reality sort of overtaking her life. That's when she goes to Giles and says, I need training. Mm -hmm. I need to understand this. And so ever since then, she's been trying to understand it and trying to be more connected to it. And through that, she's afraid that she is distancing herself because she lost Riley because Dawn felt shut out. Um, um, and she's yeah. trying to deal with that. So I feel like it is, it's is—it's the same thing. It's just like an evolution on that line.
1: It just doesn't feel entirely fully mm-hmm. consistent,
0: mm-hmm. perhaps.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's clearly a parallel between Buffy enjoying and seeking out the rush mm-hmm. of the hunt and the kill. Yeah. And Riley going to vampire prostitutes downtown so that sure. he can have his blood <laughs> drained. I mean, that desire to mm-hmm. feel... Should draw in a weird way, Buffy and Riley closer together, even if they can't actually be yeah. closer together. Mm-hmm. But we kind of didn't draw that comparison. We we didn't draw that parallel. We sort of as shifted our could. focus on it. And I feel like we did shut down the idea yeah. that Buffy was engaged in in the hunt, engaged in in the heat and the fire of being the Slayer. Now we're preoccupied with the opposite of that. We're preoccupied with the 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 coolness and the distance of being the Slayer. And again, that's a perspective that I like. It's a perspective I'm interested in and engaged by. I'm just not sure how it all hangs together as a season arc for Buffy. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it doesn't, which would be okay, too, (laughs) honestly. Before we move on, then, the scene with the Buffy bot and Willow.
0: Yes. Good, bad, indifferent? You are my friend. You are recently gay. Willow, of anybody, of all of them, would have... Noticed that something was wrong. Yeah,
1: particularly when the caption in the Buffybot's little Terminator vision screen is good with computers.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) It would be nice Mm -hmm. if Willow of all people. Yeah. But then I'm not sure that we're not supposed to feel as though something is weird here, that something is wrong Mm -hmm. here because of the insistence on that relationship. Yeah. You are my best friend. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. We do that twice in the span of, I don't know, a minute long scene. Yeah. But she's obviously not. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if Willow were as connected to Buffy as she's been in the past, Mm -hmm. she would presumably realize that something was wrong here.
0: Well, especially because this is not the first time that something like that looks like Buffy has not been Buffy.
1: Right, exactly. You know,
0: Um, so that's what I think the fact that they didn't immediately figure out it's a robot is less annoying than the fact that they didn't know that it wasn't her on some level, you know, that they that they were looking, I would have been more interested if they were like, okay, let's figure out what she is, what is going on here, and you if know? if
1: you don't want them to figure out that Buffy's a robot uh-huh. until the end of the episode, that's fine, that's a choice that you can make, but you probably want to lean away from it rather than leaning into Buffy's it. You can't play the Buffy's a
0: robot so hard, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. not
1: without again challenging our understanding of these characters, of this shared universe, <laughs> challenging right. our understanding of, of What is If she got gotten hit in the head,
0: if something had happened that would make them, yeah, some kind of explanation that they could be wrong about, but would still at least show that they recognize that this is not our Buffy, you know?
1: Now, though, the episode has its shape. Now we have our unifying thread. Let's get into it. Spike is taken to Glory, but he can't be the key. Glory can't even feed on vampires, which... Raises some interesting questions about what she's draining from Mm -hmm. the people she's draining. He may not be the key, but Spike is definitely precious to the Slayer, or to the Robo Slayer, at least. Glory throws Spike across the room, then back onto the bed, where she thrusts her finger directly into his chest.
0: Oh my god.
1: As one of the most casual and disquieting demonstrations of Glory's power, of any character's Mm -hmm. power, this is way way up there.
0: Oh gosh. That yeah. is a
1: horrible moment.
0: It is. It really is and you can feel, you know, just the the grossness of it. You know, I mean it's it has this very visceral sense to it. That even when she's beating him up and throwing him across the room, I don't feel that that visceral ugh that no, I do when she sticks her finger in his chest. Nothing yeah.
1: else has that sense of of primary and personal invasion. Yes. So of course, and I don't want to be that Freudian guy. But it's interesting that Spike has also been unwisely penetrating throughout yeah. the episode so far.
0: <laughs> so he karmically, he gets a little it back. It feels as though there's... There might be a karmic element some that. Some kind of connection. Sure. I, I sure. would I
1: would be certain uh-huh. that some element of that was <laughs> in Jane Espenson's head when she wrote <laughs> that scene. discussion in
0: the writer's room at this point, well, at yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. It
1: is really powerful, really... Really tough to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Claire Kramer is fantastic as Glory mm-hmm. in this episode. This is, for me, hands down her best performance. Yeah. And Glory gets a complexity. We don't ever, even in the most adverse of circumstances, we don't drive her to that shrieking, crazy, yeah. ranting version mm-hmm. of Glory that we've had. She manages to embody that, yes, but she manages to keep it anchored. She manages to keep it present and focused on Spike. Which makes it all the worse. It's yeah. all the more terrifying. I think mm-hmm. she's genuinely great. Really How does good. her performance work for you?
0: Well, you know, I always love Claire K- Kramer as Glory. And I think that she is Fantastic! I love her in this episode. I think that you're right, that her having a very clear goal, something that she really wants in the scene.
1: Something immediate that is present, so she's not just ranting at her minions.
0: Exactly. She can actually
1: be focused. She's
0: actually in pursuit of something. And this is one of the things that we talk about as writers, how important it is for your character to have a goal, how important it is for all of your characters to know what it is that they want. And when an actor has that, when an actor knows what it is that this character wants, They are really able to do interesting things with those characters that in a less well-formed scene, they may not be able to do. So now here we have Glory, who has been, you know, kind of wandering around Sunnydale, you know, making snakes talk and all that kind of stuff. But not as clear and focused as this up until now and not as... Essentially malevolent until oh, yeah. until right now. There was that moment when she shows up in Buffy's house and says, "I'll kill your friends. I'll kill your but sister." Then and, you it's know, that playful. But it's the swagger. It's fey. not the yeah. yeah. And she still has all of this time where she's letting things play out.
1: It's also very smart of the show to pair Glory with Spike. Oh yeah, to give her a vampire to beat up on mm-hmm. because we can feel less bad about that honestly we know that right. spike is superhumanly strong superhumanly resilient and we know that he will heal. bounce back from right. pretty much anything so they get to take it further
0: and that as a vampire i mean he can simply withstand more oh, darkness yeah. than than a human who had been through something like that i mean a human wouldn't have survived it sure but yeah
1: amazing makeup job through oh, it's
0: beautiful spike. just yeah. really
1: really tough to watch what do we think of this idea that glory can't drain Spike can't drain vampires.
0: I love that moment. I can't even brain suck it. What is completely, completely useless? Yeah, a
1: completely unnecessary beat for the it's purposes of this. It's a wonderful
0: world building detail, though. It
1: absolutely is. It's such an evocative. Yeah, idea. It invites such interesting speculation. Like,
0: what is it? Is it something that is essential? Is it something about the soul that she then sucks through people's heads? What is it? Does the soul keep whatever it is fresh?
1: Well, it reminds me of Angel Mm -hmm. trying to give Buffy CPR. He can't do it. He doesn't have breath. breath. Mm -hmm. He does mechanically have breath. That's been demonstrated countless times throughout Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But he can't
0: perform CPR. He can't
1: because there's something... Else, there there's There's something there's some spirit of something magical, soul dependent. Yeah, yeah,
0: in order to give people life. So I find
1: that I find that fascinating Mm -hmm. because Spike is not crazy; he's not insane. Mm -hmm. But this notion of impurity,
0: yeah, is a
1: really really interesting. Well,
0: I mean, the purity as it relates to the key. That in order for the key to be in physical right. form, it has to be pure.
1: But we're drawing this comparison. Right. She then says specifically that vampires are innately impure. Yes, And she can't even feed and on him. And she can't and even feed, feed on And it's very tempting because right. of that, that contrast mm-hmm. to speculate that perhaps that's the reason that she can't
0: yeah, maybe. feed on him. Mm-hmm. That she
1: can't drain him or, or other vampires. Right. Interesting. It is. She's also one of the few supernatural creatures we've seen with the ability to determine the nature of another supernatural creature – Apparently just by sniffing him.
0: Just by sniffing, yeah. Which,
1: given how Spike spent the last few hours of his life, (laughs) musky, I think, is what you get from Spike. Musky. At Buffy's house, they gear up for the rescue of Spike. For a bunch of people who immediately recognized a robot a few weeks ago, they are cheerfully oblivious. (laughs) But that's when the real Buffy returns, to face the blame and the accusations, only to run into the Buffybot and the truth. That, though, can wait. Right now, we have to find Glory, who's currently torturing Spike. I like the immediacy of the justification here. I like the way that we handle Buffy's Mm -hmm. motivations throughout the episode. We actually keep her focused. Yes, the Buffy bot is a huge problem. Yes. But it is not a problem for now. And I like that. It works. Oh, yeah really well i
0: love the performances sarah michelle geller comes in as buffy just stunning and they're like how was it she's like death is my gift you know it's this is wonderful
1: she's great deadpan as buffy and as and the bot. As the buffy bot. she yeah. is
0: fantastic as the bot when the bot comes down and you see the two of them next to each other yeah. and there are these performances they feel like separate people it is crazy there is one small
1: problem yes in that regard mm-hmm Those listeners who have also followed our podcast, The Scott and the Sassanach, in which we discuss Outlander, will be familiar with our conversations about Claire Fraser Community Theatre. The (laughs) protagonist of Outlander is famous for being a terrible actress. Mm -hmm. She cannot lie. She cannot dissemble. She cannot pretend. Mm -hmm. And yet, from time to time in the show, the show will forget that she's a bad actress because it turns out that the character is being portrayed by someone who is a terrific actress, Mm -hmm. Katrina Balfe. Is it now canon that Buffy is an exceptionally gifted actress and mimic? Because she copies the Buffybot to a T. Oh, yeah. She has not spent that much time with the Buffybot. Right. But she manages to nail that mm-hmm. performance at yeah. the end of the episode. Yeah. Therefore, Buffy Summers, expert actress. Yes or no?
0: Well, yeah. But you know what? If you look at her at the end of the episode, I think that there is something. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is doing something subtle with the Buffy bot Mm -hmm. that isn't exactly Buffy bot. But it is enough that it fools Spike until she touches him. Sure. And I love that. I think it is it is brilliant. She brings this extra level to it that I think that you, somebody who looked at that and said, oh, I knew instantly that was Buffy and not the bot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think that you could absolutely see that in her performance. It's incredibly oh, yeah. subtle, but it's there. So I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar is so good that she plays Buffy <laughs> bot. She plays Buffy and she plays Buffy as Buffy. Buffy bought all three differently yeah it is so incredibly brilliant it is just a shame that there is not a wall in her house that is just filled with Emmys because she is amazing uh, there's still time As uh, there I've is said still before, time I still believe Girlfriend's still young <laughs> I
1: still believe the career defining performance work. is ahead of her oh god no, I hope somebody writes great.
0: something worthy of her soon there I would love to see her doing work at this level again
1: people who could but
0: no yes. there aren't I would yeah. very
1: much like for someone extremely talented to write something oh, extremely yeah. good for Sarah Michelle Gellar she would
0: be amazing
1: what do we think of the the extended reveal here. The some might say painfully drawn out reveal here. <laughs> it takes us a long time, yeah, to grind through the mechanics of Buffy arriving home, running into the Buffy bot. Well, and
0: that, that Willow has exposition. just told the Buffy bot to go upstairs and get changed, which is another thing, so that we can explain why when Buffy comes in wearing a different outfit, they still think it's her, but then when Buffy bot comes back down, she's still wearing she the pink dress. Changed. I know, which is you know, for for. Uh, you know, like a robot who has one thing, and that is to follow orders. You know? <laughs>
1: What's weird about that moment to me is that it's Jane doing something that Jane very rarely does, which is passing up the opportunity for a gag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she could make the Buffy Bot come back downstairs wearing anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anything. Which would
0: have been fantastic. This could
1: have been a fantastic tour mm-hmm. of all of Buffy's worst costumes from the first season.
0: Oh my God, that would have been amazing. We could
1: have seen some old favorites mm-hmm. again, but no, instead we, we handle ourselves with a little more restraint. It's yeah. a decent enough scene. Mm-hmm. I think by this point in the episode, it is actually just played out. It's actually just done. I think we've got everything from it that mm-hmm. we can possibly get from it. And I kind of wish that we'd maybe inverted some of our structure here, that we mm-hmm. maybe had this reveal a little earlier in the episode. We could have spent more time or allowed more time to pass uh-huh. in the tracking down of Glory. Right. Mm-hmm. And had Buffy come to terms with the truth of the Buffy bot a little sooner in the episode. So it doesn't feel quite so extended.
0: Yeah, it feels like we invest a lot in this joke for this payoff, yeah. which at that point really isn't that much of a payoff. And it also, I think, undercuts the capability of the Scoobies, that, yeah. that, that Tara, Tara, who knew... Yes. That Buffy was the only Faith one who
1: understood. Yeah.
0: Back yeah. in the, you know, like it just seems to me like she would know, they would know. Anya, who has lived for 1,200 years and this seen tons of things, Anya would know. It's Willow would bot. know.
1: It's the fact mm-hmm. that it's a robot, it's yeah. the fact that it's a mechanical contrivance. Mm-hmm. It's not. Magical, there is no associated spell. There's no associated glamour Yes, that is supposed that to would trick make the people around like her. That would make this like Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be great if we had an extra... Magical justification For why this is See, unfolding I the way it is. I don't
0: mind It being a robot I mind that they didn't know And I would have I would have enjoyed A joke where They all come up With these different ideas As to what the Buffy well, body we is we get a hint
1: of that We you get know. a hint of that From Xander They're yeah. both Buffy
0: They're both Buffy
1: <laughs> uh, Bringing us back To the replacement Of course right. And Xander's mm-hmm. own experience of being, exactly. of being Switched into two different exactly. bodies Exactly Which
0: you know We could have had So many different things That they've gone through Things that they've experienced yeah. And it would be funny Especially with a robot Having been two weeks ago If that was the one thing they didn't but think of. in order to
1: do that we would have to openly acknowledge that buffy isn't just acting unlike herself but that there is actually something wrong mm-hmm. and that's difficult yeah. given the shape of the episode yeah. it's kind of still a little pulling against itself as a story a
0: little bit but i think it i think it's worth it in the end
1: broadly yes yeah. it absolutely mm-hmm. works I, I do think it takes us maybe a little bit too long to get there yeah but it it does work yeah Buffy and the others, meanwhile, are investigating the spot where Buffy killed the snake demon, a spot presumably close to Glory's hideout. Spike, meanwhile, is bloodied, but he's not above a little misdirection. And let me tell you, Bob Barker is nobody's key. (laughs) He insults Glory so much that she knocks him clear out of the room, then manages to make it as far as the elevator shaft. Glory's minions are about to recapture him when Buffy and Xander appear. They fight with Giles and the Buffybot joining the fray. But the Buffy bot saves Giles and takes a blow to the head that leaves her fried. The battle over, they return to the magic box. We should, because inexplicably we haven't, mm-hmm. credit James Masters here. Ugh. Amazing work, even yeah. by his usually very high standards.
0: Yeah, he's incredible. The ability that he has to convey such a complicated character. Yeah. And and the look on his face, you can see so much of what's going on inside of him. He has this ability to just, with a look, with a glance, yeah. with something in his eyes, um, his ability to kind of subtly express things and is
1: so beautiful. Also to engage in a kind of, of robust physicality that we haven't seen from Spike much lately. He hasn't had the opportunity to, to really engage in the action sequences. Yeah. So seeing him hanging from the ceiling, you're reminded, yeah, wow, mm-hmm. he's got a real presence to him. He's got a real sense of, of physicality to he's him. He's so
0: good. And the way it that works. he is just completely wrecked, you see him struggling oh, yeah. to get into the elevator. He pulls the thing open, falls down into the shaft. Um, it is really, yeah. really good.
1: It's a weakness that is anchored in an absolutely unforgiving yeah. strength. Oh, yeah. and. That's exactly what he needs in this episode. This he needs the exactly I don't know that.
0: anybody who could have pulled it off the way that... I think it's the reason Buffy really and good. Spike are what they are is because Sarah Michelle Gellar and James Marsters are what they yeah. are.
1: To what extent is the final showdown in, I guess, the foyer of, mm-hmm. of Glory's building disappointing?
0: The minions, to me, are comedic relief. Mm-hmm. They don't... I mean, they're demons, so maybe they're tougher than they seem. Um, Though the
1: only suggestion we've had of their relative toughness was this Ben episode? stabbing one.
0: Well, yeah. Ben stabbed, you know, uh, Jinx. But no. never we never had any sense of Jinx fighting, of exactly. Jinx having any strength, or of Ben being in any way afraid of them. But then again, because they couldn't hurt Ben because would, he's Glory. Right? But why mm-hmm. would
1: Glory surround herself with physically powerful minions when mm-hmm. she's, you know, the most physically powerful of all? She doesn't need that kind of, of muscle. Of
0: backup, right. So...
1: But it's not like she has them
0: around for their intelligence. true, true.
1: I don't really buy the minions as a physical threat. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way the fight is choreographed. A lot of it feels scrappy. A Mm -hmm. lot of it feels messy. And I kind of wish that we'd just taken another run at the Buffybot saving Giles and then being thrown back into the wall. Why on earth, given all that we've seen in the episode, Mm -hmm. Spike has treated her more roughly than that? Yeah. But for some reason, that's enough to completely disable her. Yeah, that's. It's, someone just looked at the clock and right. said, "Oh God, we've really got to deal with the Buffy bot it, because we've only got time. three minutes left for
0: wrap up." Right? Mm-hmm.
1: It just doesn't carry sufficient emotional weight mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Surely, there's a way that we can incapacitate the Buffy bot, but also preserve the possibility of her return. She could have had a koi so, pond. The last scene,
0: you know, Something and then like, you know, and then they just have to put her in a big thing of dry, to dry rice. To- <laughs> to- <laughs>
1: If you're going to destroy a right. robot, immersing it in running water. Water
0: seems to be the way to go. And a Glory would totally have a fountain there. yeah, I Or a moat. Sure. I like that.
1: But then yeah. that would be running water is one more thing for this complicated shit exactly. to deal with. It does yeah. just feel, unfortunately, a little light. Mm-hmm. And we don't hit the Buffy Bot's rescue of Giles. Of, yeah. excuse me, Giles. Yes. As hard as we should. That feels like it should be such an important moment. This is the moment when Buffy's, the Buffy bots' programming is superseding her singular loyalty to Spike. Yeah. That's huge. That speaks very directly well, to, she to who she would be rescuing is.
0: Spike, though. Well, I guess yes. Again, the command to be Buffy exactly yeah, is is what does that. Yeah, and
1: rescuing Giles is arguably is the buffiest the most thing Buffy you could thing, do, thing
0: that Buffy could do. Yeah, we'll
1: return to that discussion, I guess, right at the very end of the season. Certainly, we will. I wish that we'd made more of it. I mm-hmm. think everything is there. Everything is present. Yeah. There's nothing conceptually wrong with with any of this material, really. Except that I just needed it to be to be more developed. I needed mm-hmm. it to be more impactful. Which is one of the reasons that I wish that we'd moved the reveal back earlier in the episode. If we right. just cleared up some of that cruft mm-hmm. in the first half of the episode. Some of the stuff that's enjoyable yeah. on its own terms. But but complicates things unnecessarily. If mm-hmm. we could clear some of that out. Comb through some of these strands. It would create a little more space at the end of the episode. So that we could land this emotional Beat.
0: Oh, which is so essential. This but unfortunately, is, yeah.
1: we don't get a chance to say farewell mm-hmm. to the Buffybot or even really to recognize what it was that she died for. Yeah. We never really acknowledge that. Back in the magic box, Willow investigates, said Buffybot, as Xander and Giles return from dropping Spike off in his crypt. The Buffybot, we learn, is reparable, though Buffy is more concerned with what Spike may or may not have told Glory. And let's just spend a moment on this. Spike is... In his crypt, with Xander, when Glory's minions show up to abduct him. Mm -hmm. They have to rescue Spike from Glory's evil clutches because it's only a matter of time until Spike tells Glory about Dawn. Mm -hmm. We rescue Spike and we return him to the crypt where he was abducted. (laughs) And leave him alone.
0: And put a little bow on him with a note for Glory saying, We left him right where you wanted him, right where you knew he was. To
1: specifically the one spot that we know that Glory knows to look for Spike. Exactly. I don't understand. I don't understand. Spike should be chained up in
0: Giles' bathtub again.
1: Or literally (laughs) anywhere anywhere else. else. We have yeah. spaces in the magic box that could be used for this. Mm-hmm. We have Buffy's house that could be used for this. Yeah. We're not short. She has a basement. On spaces to keep Spike. But because <laughs> we want this powerful moment between yeah. Buffy slash the Buffy bot and Spike back in his crypt, because mm-hmm. we want to come full circle, we don't offer a line of explanation there. We don't right. justify this incredibly poor We didn't poor have Willow decision.
0: Ward the crypt. Yep. We didn't have... yeah. It's yeah no i mean honestly i will tell you as many times as i've watched this episode i've never once <laughs> but i've never once asked that question because i'm so immersed in this whole buffy spike thing sure. that honestly i'm just like yeah okay no, whatever
1: it's nitpicky and yeah. honestly if i said that it ruined my enjoyment of the final scene i would be lying it doesn't at <laughs> but all. it is
0: something that you can question but it is yeah baffling. like baffling why and when yeah. i think mm-hmm. okay
1: where could we have put him that would have given us a stronger final scene? Yeah. Literally anywhere. Yeah. Relocating that moment, taking Spike actually out mm-hmm. of his element, out of the space that he shared with the Buffy bot, yeah. and putting him literally anywhere mm-hmm. would have been a stronger choice. Sure. Why mm-hmm. not have him in the back of the magic box? Why right. not have him in the training room? Sure. There? A space where Buffy is more comfortable and more empowered than Spike is. There right. so many other options.
0: Mm-hmm. But we and don't we, we don't them. want him back in the fold at this point though. I mean he A has, random motel
1: room. Yeah. Faith's old motel room.
0: Faith's old motel room. Literally. Sanders, you know, I, second bedroom. I understand sure. why. Yeah. As I said
1: earlier, mm-hmm. you know, this is a challenging production. Right. There's a lot of of moving parts to consider when you're actually filming this episode of Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer, and we don't want another set that means another lighting setup that means, you know, a whole nother day of shooting. We don't want to deal with that. Right. We can just tack this scene on to the end of whatever else we've shot in the crypt already. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, but ah, oh, it would have been so much more powerful if we'd done it in literally any other set.
0: Yeah, yeah. Still, no, no I it think works. it's it's real good. Yeah. We
1: cut to said crypt where Buffy, in the guise of the perky Buffy bot, gets the truth out of Spike. He didn't tell Glory anything, and he'd die before he let her learn the truth. Buffy kisses Spike a thank you for his sacrifice, then tells him that the robot thing was gross and obscene. But what he did to protect her sister was real, and she won't forget it. A really powerful moment oh, to God. end the episode.
0: One of my favorite all-time moments in all of Buffy. Yeah. I love this. It is complicated. And I mean, and it is. It's gross and obscene. But yet, you know, this was real. And she's explaining to him, you know. That wasn't real. It's gross and obscene. But this is real. What you did for me and Dawn, this is real. And I love when she explains that to him, you know, the look on his face, how he it feels like he's trying to understand, you know, what those subtleties are, what those differences are between what makes somebody human and not, you know. And I I love that yeah. moment. I love the look on his face. I love the fact that she leans in to kiss him and he knows immediately, of course, that it's Buffy and not the robot. And when she walks away, he says, "Am I robot?" Like he's going to get it back, which is another thing that I love from Spike because we know that that's of course a question he's going to ask even though he knows the answer.
1: Yes. I do have trouble mm-hmm. with Spike in this episode. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's valiant. Clearly, it's courageous. Clearly, it requires a great deal of fortitude and and inner strength, mm-hmm. characteristics that have often been somewhat lacking when it comes to Spike. Yeah. I admire his ability to resist Glory's torture, but at the same time the robot really is problematic. Mm-hmm. Or actually, not at all. If he had had Warren create a robot, that would have been fine. I mean, it would have been gross, yeah. but it would have been fine. Had he just had April as a plaything, mm-hmm. that would have been gross in exactly the way that it was gross when Warren did it. But it would have been fine. But, but yeah. layering Buffy's identity mm-hmm. onto this simulacrum right, and then deliberately abusing that identity in a way that he knows the the real Buffy would not condone or countenance, that is, in some weird, indefinable way, that feels like a very intimate assault. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, is a difficult thing to reconcile with the rest of the episode. I'm not happy with where Buffy ends this episode. I understand where she ends the episode, Mm -hmm. but I'm not happy with it. It's not that the robot wasn't real. It's that the robot was a profound invasion of her privacy in, right. in a really fundamental sense. And I'm not entirely comfortable with the way that we hand wave it. I'm not entirely comfortable with the way that we articulate Spike's exploration of his own actions. Mm-hmm. When he says to the robot, I couldn't stand it if she was sad. Yeah, That's still a selfish motivation. But we've kind of moved past that with Spike He just doesn't like it when Summer's women take it on the chin. Yeah. He does have a real loyalty, Mm -hmm. not just to Buffy, not just this romantic interest in Buffy, but we've just spent the last six episodes exploring his relationship with Dawn, exploring Mm -hmm. his relationship with Joyce. There are personal connections here that actually have nothing to do with his desire to either keep Buffy from harm Mm -hmm. or to, to get in her pants. I mean... Spike is a more complicated character than that, but here we're rendering him in fairly broad strokes. Do you think that's
0: true? Uh, No, I don't. I think that he is incredibly complicated. I think that it is absolutely consistent with Spike that he would have a robot made. He is gross and obscene, but part of him, there are parts of him that also have the capacity to genuinely love and care for... Buffy, and for Dawn, and for Joyce. I
1: don't think it's impossible that that Spike would walk some kind of line with Mm -hmm. some kind of simulacrum of Buffy. I can kind of agree with that generally. I have specific problems with him having a robot version of Buffy, Mm -hmm. given Spike's relationship with technology, particularly evil super science technology. (laughs) The guy still has a chip in his head. (laughs) And I get that but, that's yeah. something that he and the Buffy bot can share. They can probably sure, bond over that. Hey, sure. how's your chip? Pretty good. Pretty good today. Pretty good chip. <laughs> it feels as though that specifically is a weird, a, a weird engagement for Spike. It feels as though that's an odd path for him to walk. But since we created robots as a part of the Buffyverse, and we didn't create you know magical automata <laughs> of, of some other form, that's something that we, I guess, we have to overlook. But it does feel a little bit weird that that the Spike who was so preoccupied with the Invasion of technology, the application of technology upon his essential nature mm-hmm. is now living in a not entirely dissimilar space. He's engaging I don't think in,
0: Spike thinks that deeply. I don't think that he no, sees it as the same space. I don't think space. he thinks
1: that deeply either, but he does feel he deeply. He
0: feels very deeply, That's yes. true mm-hmm.
1: even before he became a vampire. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that that kind of, of imagery and of symbolism would be lost on him. Yeah. I think he has a strong sense of what feels right and feels wrong. So I don't know. You're right. Perhaps rationalizing it in exactly those terms. Yeah. That's not entirely true to Spike's character. But mm-hmm.
0: I don't think right and wrong are really the things for Spike that he would be concerned with. I think what feels good to him and what feels bad to him are the things that he understands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it is very much about him. And I think that the the incredible grossness of this robot – um is something that i like i like that it's that gross i like that it's that disturbing i like that it's that bad because otherwise i would be so completely in love with spike at the end of this episode like i would be so i would believe in a better spike that he is a better man that he can be a better man but in reality he's he's not he's a monster and he's always going but to be he a monster
1: simultaneously believe that he committed a selfless act he has
0: the ability to love which i think is as much a surprise to him as it is to anybody else i
1: don't think that should be a surprise to literally has anyone. the ability to Spikes love in, in an
0: unselfish way
1: well perhaps we haven't seen any demonstration of that yet
0: <laughs> this episode I think so i think yeah
1: no this episode renders his protection of dawn in selfish terms now i'm saying yes i think we've seen in previous episodes mm-hmm. that that's not actually true i don't think that we have to necessarily regress spike to the point of of selfish love i think that's how
0: spike needs to see it i think that i think that for spike he needs to define it in selfish terms
1: well then we should textually have some kind of counterpoint to that Mm -hmm. i think that we could look back into the past we could look at previous episodes and kind of infer a version of spike that isn't motivated exclusively by the selfish desire for Buffy or to protect Buffy or to somehow save her from heartache and suffering mm-hmm. so that maybe one day they can get together. I think he's proved, he's demonstrated time and again, a pragmatic, flawed kind of nobility mm-hmm. when he takes Dawn to the magic box. yeah, He's demonstrating exactly that. He doesn't live by your rules, but he does, in fact, do what he believes to be right. Mm-hmm. That, to me, isn't quite the spike that we get in this episode. And sure... He's been rejected subsequently. You know, yeah. he's had his heart broken subsequently. We've seen these very difficult interactions for him. So I'm not saying that it's that it's not true or that it doesn't mm-hmm. fit. But there are more interesting, arguably, and sophisticated things that you could do with Spike in this instance. Yeah. Ultimately, though, that final exchange redeems a yeah. lot of the episode. Yeah, It manages to pull together all of these disparate threads and really deliver a devastatingly effective emotional punch. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really strong conclusion to the episode.
0: I think it is too. I absolutely love it. And I think that for me, what I love about Spike the most is that Spike does have an essentially selfish nature. And yet there is this part of him, this thing within him, which has the ability to genuinely love. Mm -hmm. And when you see that the thing he loves Could never love all the other things that he is. It is, it's, there's such a beautiful narrative tension right there that there's this one thing that he wants that he can never have because of his essential nature. I love that. I think that's partly
1: it, right? I feel that if we'd done this episode, Six episodes ago, eight episodes ago, ten episodes ago, I really wouldn't have had this problem. I feel as though the season has already arced Spike. We've sort of
0: arced him to a place where he should know better, he should be better. Yeah, really? By the time that we... Because I like that he's not better. I like that he's still essentially broken and gross and obscene. I like that. It's not about
1: broken, it's not about heroic or not, it's Mm -hmm. not about valorous or not, it's about a degree of self-awareness. And I feel Mm -hmm. that he has arrived at... At more self-awareness than this episode credits him with. I feel that yeah. the spike that we saw in Triangle mm-hmm. would look at this spike and just shake his head. <laughs> just, just, And and maybe yeah. that's conscious. Maybe that's yeah. deliberate. Maybe we are deliberately regressing him mm-hmm. in the wake of Triangle and in the wake of his other rejections at the hands of Buffy. But if that's what we're doing, give us of Give some of that.
0: sense of that, that this is something that he knows is, is terrible and disgusting, but he's doing it because... Because if I can't us, be a man, I'll be a monster. Give us yeah. self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Give yeah, us sure. a
1: sense of self-loathing and don't fun. play these mm-hmm. exchanges yeah. for for comedy. Mm-hmm. If he had been, God, humiliated by the Buffy bot when he runs into Anya and Xander in mm-hmm. the graveyard. If he had been not humiliated by the Buffy bot, but if he had been full of shame. If he had recognized that this is a gross and dirty and secret thing then I would have been more empathically connected I can
0: understand it. that. I want him to earn that shame. I want him to earn that understanding. I don't I feel, feel like, like we're has. there yet. I don't uh, feel like different. he has. This yeah. is just a difference in so our me, interpretation
1: of Spike. I, I Stick like... around, you guys. If you enjoy us yes. disagreeing about Spike.
0: <laughs> There's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> to the rest of Dusted.
1: It really is, though, a strong note on which to end yeah. the episode. And I s- still feel comfortable saying that this is Jane Espenson's most harmonious and accomplished work I think so. I think so. Buffy. And I have to say, too, a sign of great things to come from her. Mm -hmm. That leaves us with only one task to address. Where on earth do we put this episode on the big list of every Buffy episode ever? I am now accepting opening bids.
0: Opening bids. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I have to say, looking at the list, I'm going to start by saying definite top 10 for me. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Definite top 10. Yes,
1: I'm comfortable with top 10.
0: The problem with the top 10 for me is that there are certain episodes that I look at and I think, OK, I personally like this episode more than an episode that is above it. But it's maybe that I, ex- I like respect the writing in the episode that's above it. And I just happen to have a personal affection for the episode more. So for me, it feels like a tangle. I kind of want to put this in um, like right under the body at number four. You know, right above checkpoint. Okay, 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 okay. Listen, let me finish. But I also see an argument for you know under lovers walk okay, and above pants. Give me the
1: argument for above checkpoint. Checkpoint, we praised at the time. That's, it's as not being... a rational
0: argument; it's an emotional argument.
1: <laughs> so it's just that you love it's this just episode. That that's that much. how
0: much I love this episode. Checkpoint, I what think is, is a better episode. Then tell
1: me what it is about this episode that you love that much because that's a whole heap and helping of loving
0: i would say it's the spike mm-hmm. work it's the complicated essence of his character of the things that are all within him that are at war that are genuine within him that are at war um i like all of that i like what we did i like that we gave this is spike's first. I think, true moment of heroism in the entire thing. I mean, Though he's fought on the side by of no good means before.
1: an uncomplicated moment it's of heroism. It's an
0: incredibly complicated moment of heroism. So I, I, I really love that. And I love this ending moment with Buffy sure. where she says, that was gross and obscene, and but this is real. The stuff that's funny is mm-hmm. funny. The
1: stuff that has heart has yes. heart. All the Giles and Buffy stuff is just fantastic. Really fantastic. Great performances from our core cast. We just haven't rhapsodized enough, I think, about how good Sarah Michelle Gellar is. And this is not <laughs> yeah. an easy thing to do. Playing two versions of the same character within the same scene, there are a very small number of actors in the world who Tatiana can do that. Tatiana
0: Maslany is the only one that comes to uh, mind. Anna from Orphan. Fringe. Like, oh, yeah. No, Torov playing
1: mm-hmm. Olivia and yes. Folivia in mm-hmm, Fringe mm-hmm. is
0: unbelievably really good. really good and very very difficult to do so i think that for me like intellectually i cannot defend putting it in at number 4 no, but i think that's but that's a kind of like where i go when i think about it from a rational place you know from how good is this episode how well done is this episode for me i'm at number 9 under lover's walk and above pangs
1: yeah when i think of this episode the obvious Point of comparison Mm -hmm. is A Lover's Walk. Another Spike episode, Mm -hmm. another episode which explores Spike's vulnerability, Mm -hmm. which seeks to elicit our empathy for Spike. His ability
0: to love. Does
1: nothing at all to undercut his villainy and Mm -hmm. his monstrousness. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing like, I think, as complicated Mm -hmm. as this episode, but that's actually a real strength of Lover's Walk. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. I think this is better than Pang's. I think it's not as good as Lover's Walk. I think it is possible to look at the big list, and you're right, to find particular elements of a given episode which exceed those elements in other episodes. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there's better character stuff in this episode than there is in Graduation Day or in, well, maybe not this year's Girl and Who Are You, but maybe No Place Like Hope. Maybe if you're mm -hmm. looking at just the characterization of Spike in particular, maybe it does go higher on the list. But in terms of structure it probably goes a when little you bit think lower of
0: everything put together. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying I, this is my, my personal affection for this episode sure. lands it higher, but from an intellectual perspective, looking at right. it purely based on how good the writing is, how strong the writing is and, and the, just the execution of the sure. episode. I think that I would put it in at, uh, yeah. At number nine.
1: I completely agree. Great. That is our fifth season five episode. In the top this ten so far. This is a so good far.
0: season, y'all. I love this season. It's
1: a very good season. Yeah. Demonstrably a very good season.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So
1: there it goes in at number nine, right below Lover's Walk, right above Pang's. I feel good about that.
0: I This was a choose. really
1: fun episode. Oh, yeah. That will do it for our first Dusted of the Week. I'm sure you'll all be glad to hear that we are now back on our regular Double Dusted schedule, so we'll return on Thursday with our thoughts on episode 18 of season 2 of Angel Dead End, in which Wolfram and Hart set Lindsay up with a new bad hand. And that's not going to end well. <laughs> no,
0: of course not. Then next Monday, Glory closes in on the Scoobies in episode 19 of season 5 of Buffy, Tough Love.
1: I like that one, too.
0: Oh, that's going to be real tough. We
1: still have some great stuff to discuss. Oh my God, Just I in season 5 of Buffy and season 2 of Angel, you guys, we are past the bad parts. Exactly. We
0: really are. <laughs> come back if you left. If it's getting good now. If you've been
1: skipping out on the whole Darla storyline over in Angel, come on back. Yeah. Dead End is... I mean, wildly goofy, (laughs) but it should be a fun discussion. And from there on out, we close out that season in style. So do come back if you've been skipping out on the Angel episodes of Dusted. And don't forget, you can join some of the funniest, smartest, most delightful people on the internet over on our forums at forum.storywonk.com
0: Or send your feedback to us via email at podcast at or leave a voicemail at 252-505-WONK That's 252-505-9665
1: Everything we do at Storywonk is made possible by our generous patrons to help keep Storywonk free and ad-free for everyone and to gain access to exclusive Storywonk content including that long-awaited dusted extra on the pilot episode of Charmed head on over to patreon.com slash pledge us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford until next time i'm alistair stevens and
0: i'm Lonnie diane rich and this is Dusty.